there once was a certain kind of evangelical Christian I felt free to scorn. In 2010, I planted a church in the inner city of Cincinnati, and it was growing rapidly. At the time, the coveted demographic for urban church planters was millennials, and we were attracting them in droves. With a combination of contemporary worship, ancient liturgy, and theologically rich preaching, I thought we'd crack the code. Having successfully planted a church in a challenging urban context, my sending organization flew me around the country to share my success stories and train younger planters in the way it's done. Things were going well, but a spirit of elitism began to infect us. And there was no one to correct us because everyone was in on it. On occasion, I would make fun of conservative, uneducated, backwoods, King James-only fundamentalist Christians. People like this lacked the theological sophistication and cultural insight I had acquired while doing campus ministry and studying in seminary. I knew these fundy Christians well because I grew up around them. I came from the hills of West Virginia, Appalachian born and bred, but I had moved on. I was better than them. I was more learned and cultured than they were. I had seen the world and they hadn't. I would not have admitted this at the time, but deep down, I felt superior to my hometown people and their country religion. The success of my own ministry was at least partly driven by a desire to separate myself from them and prove that I'm not one of those fundy Christians. But over time, something began to dawn on me. I was standing on the shoulders of giants. My own grandfather, Papal Kurt, was one of those country preachers. He provided for his family by working a physically demanding job in a steel mill his whole life. His family was poor, but he did what needed to be done to take care of them. Popple Kurt had only received a sixth grade education. He didn't know how to read or write very well. And so on his 45 minute commutes to work, he would listen to the King James Bible on audio cassette up and back every day, listening to the Bible. Scripture got under his skin. My mom told me this story once. When he was filling out paperwork or writing something and didn't know how to spell a word, he would try to remember where that same word was used in his King James Bible. And then he would look it up to see how the word was spelled. My great-grandfather was the same way. We called him Popal Galley. He'd only received a third grade education. He planted a church deep in the hills of West Virginia and constructed a building for it on his own property. He ministered there for many years, always preaching from his King James Bible. Papal Galley lived to be 102 years old, and he was healthy and energetic all the way to the end. He was a simple man with a sharp wit, charming smile, a warm sense of humor. During the Great Depression, he built his house for $450. He and his wife lived there for the rest of their lives. At Christmas time, he would take fruit baskets to the shut-ins of his church who were much younger than him. He married his wife, Mama Mary, when she was 14 years old. He was 22 at the time. He loved her and remained faithful to her until her death in September of 2006. They enjoyed 74 wedding anniversaries together. Every summer, the extended family would get together to celebrate their anniversary with a picnic. These memories hang in my mind like Mama Mary's home-sewn curtains. 
Everyone would come to celebrate and feast on fried chicken, cornbread, potato salad, and big K cola. Mama Mary would sit on her front porch swing and gawk over whichever great-great-grandbaby she'd get to hold. Papa Gallet loved standing back, astonished at this crowd and reciting a list of all his descendants that traced their ancestry back to him. Sometimes, Papa Kurt would preach a little. Then, Papa Galley would preach a little more. They called it testifying, but everybody knew what it was. It was preaching. A crowd was gathered and someone would ask them to pray or say a few words and the next thing you knew, church broke out. The guitar or two was always close at hand. I had an uncle that played banjo. In my office, I have this framed poem that Papal Galley wrote on September the 1st, 1928. It's a poem about his call to ministry. He remained faithful to that calling for the rest of his life. He never really retired, but he did slow down. The Lord took him home on July the 1st, 2011. He stayed true to the Lord and to his calling for 80 years. 80 years. And here I was, three or four years into my new church plant, attracting a few hundred people, feeling like I had accomplished something, feeling superior to men like my grandfather and great-grandfather. So I repented. I repented of my arrogance. I repented of my self-righteous attitude towards that old-time religion that sustained my grandparents who had so much less than I did. I repented of looking down on faithful older Christians who had passed on a legacy to me. I share all these things because my arrogance was cultivated in an evangelical subculture that produces a spirit of elitism. I wanted to ascend the ladder and achieve notoriety within that subculture. But I've learned that that subculture is actually sub-Christian. Elitist Christianity cannot survive the rigors of hard discipleship. My grandparents did, and they handed me a legacy to follow. There are many points of doctrinal disagreement that I would have with my grandfathers, but they had a form of battle-tested grit that would outclass their less rugged peers. These were men who endured hard lives, and they suffered. And they learned how to suffer well with contented hearts. These are the sorts of men that deserve our respect and our admiration. Men who finished well and they stayed true. Men of whom the world is not worthy. These men have now gone home to be with the Lord, but by God's grace, may their legacy live on. I wanna follow in their footsteps.